I am honored to be here this morning, and I do want to uh, thank uh, Pastor Jonathan for inviting me to be here, and we do pray for his family as they are away from us, but uh, I know they're celebrating Brother Tim over there, and so I think that's that's great. They can be there, and it, it is great to be back. Um, uh, I almost took my place at the Welcome Center this morning, so it seemed like I fit right in, you know, and uh, see the same folks here, but a lot of new faces as well. And uh, some faces that I've known for before that I didn't realize were here. And so it's, when, you, when you do ministry in a certain area for 30 years, you know, sometimes uh, people, you see them around. And so it's been exciting for that to happen as well. And it is uh, a deed of blessing for Donnie and myself to be here uh, to reconnect uh, with our actual family, of course, but also our spiritual family as well. So for a few of you who don't know me, I am David Garrett. Um, my family actually joined Schindler back in 1994. That was some of you weren't even around, thought of then. But, um, and I was serving at the Jacksonville Baptist Association. And then um, in uh, 2011, I really came on staff here as what I called the minister of everything. So it was, it was discipleship and, uh, and missions and administration. And uh, once in a while, you would find me leading music or you'd see me preaching. So I did a little bit of everything here. Uh, I do remember my first official Sunday uh, that I was here on staff, I believe it was Al Abernathy who approached me, and he said, uh, Mr. Administrator, <clears throat> which is always a problem, that whenever they say that, something's broken or bleeding or there's something wrong, there's water flooding somewhere. But uh, 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 but Al, I think it was Al, that, that day said, Mr. Administrator, uh, what are you going to do about our squirrel problem? <laughs> and I remember thinking, I've been here for 17 years at that point as a member I didn't know we had a squirrel problem. And um, <clears throat> evidently squirrels had chewed through some of the screens in the sanctuary over there. And they, they would come in through those out, out, uh, outdoor air vents. And they would climb in and go through the top and, and chew on wires and make a mess. And so that was my first big official job here at the church is to get uh, rodents out of the church sanctuary. I thought of the, you know, the Mississippi squirrel revival, you know, that one. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, it, that wouldn't happen. It was a problem. And so we got that handled. And I knew then for my first day that this ministry was going to be fun. Okay? So it's going to be like nothing I'd ever done. And I was right. Uh, it was fun. And we were privileged to serve here for eight years until the end of 2019. Now, that's almost two years ago, folks. Do y'all realize that? How, how time is? Yeah, really. That's kind of scary. Uh, it's been two years since uh, God started moving in my heart and, and, uh, and so it, it really was taking all that I'd learned at the association and the, 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 what I'd learned here and going over and working with pastors and churches that are in need of revitalization. So um, in 2020, I actually started working as a consultant with the Swanee Baptist Association in the areas of discipleship and church revitalization. Uh, earlier, Mike had asked me what my title, official title was, and I said, you don't even want to explain it. I don't even know what they officially call it, but I'm a consultant in discipleship and church revitalization. And that year, we launched a cohort of pastors. We, uh, we stuck together in about seven months. Of course, it was all through COVID, but uh, we were able to make it happen. And uh, we graduated nine participants that year. And, uh, and they, we went through you know, some exploration of them, their own lives and, and, uh, and their ministry. And then we looked at what the, the steps and some things that could be done for revitalization in their church. And so that went pretty well. And so... That actually expanded then this year that I'm serving three associations and I'm either working at uh, working training, a revitalization team, 
I'm working in, in two different cohorts in other associations. And that went so well that next year, <laughs> it looks like I'm going to be doing three cohorts in three associations. And, um, and so God has really been blessing. And so I, I thank you. Uh, but uh, you have been such a part of that. Even last year, we, we graduated 15 participants in two different associations. And it looks like, again, God's going to be blessing for the next year. So uh, we, we do say that, that uh, it, if it wasn't for Schindler, you have been such a, a part of our hearts. And we've been in your prayers. And uh, we thank you for your prayer support and uh, the encouragement that you've provided. And, uh, and we uh, just want to thank you as we even look forward to what God's going to be doing in the years ahead. Um, I mentioned that my, my current ministry focus is on discipleship and church revitalization. And so when you really think about it, uh, church disciple or individual discipleship is really about change in the life of the individual Christian. And so if you look at that, you know, that's, that's change that's going on on that level. Uh, revitalization is about change going on in the life of the church. And so in essence, there are two parts or there are two sides of the same coin. And so you can have on one side uh, discipleship, the other one revitalization. And what I like to say is what discipleship is for the, in the life of the individual, revitalization is for the life of the church. In other words, as each of us individually become a better disciple, a more dedicated follower of Christ, taking on more and more of his attributes and seeking to disciple others as well, then it means that the congregation as a whole is going to be growing. And the congregation as a whole is going to be more sensitive to God's leading and to and be more obedient to his calling. And revitalization then begins to happen almost organically in the lives of those churches. And uh, even churches that even were once plateaued and declining. And so for this kind of revitalization to happen, we, we really talk about it on an individual level. We talk about it in, in the cohort that I lead uh, and as a as in the life of the church, how important it is to have this church discipline, this discipline we have in our lives of prayer. That it all really comes down, kind of the first thing that we need to do is, is prayer. And, um, and so that's really what I want to talk about tonight. That prayer, but not just a prayer. We're not just praying for Aunt Susie's gallbladder. We're, we're praying for change. We're praying for internal change. So this morning I'd like to share with you uh, some thoughts coming from Psalm 119. Verse 25, Psalm 119, verse 25. And that's just one verse, but I feel like this one verse is very important. We can find here three components that I feel like make up a prayer for change, one that we can, can bring and, and, and pray ourselves. So turn with me, if you would please, to Psalm 119, 25. If you would stand, if you are able, for the reading of God's word. Let me share with you, let me read Psalm 119, verse 25. <clears throat> the Bible says, My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Let me read that again. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. You may be seated as I pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you that even as we look, even this morning at your word, that you are speaking to us. That we admit that we often stumble, we often struggle. 
But Lord, we can find in your word the, the path that we need to take. We can find in it the strength. So before we pray that you, even the prayer this morning would be that eyes would be open, that ears would be sensitive to your leading. And Lord, at the end of this service, may, may we be even closer to you. May we be more committed to you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. The first component that I see for, for this in, the, in this prayer of change is confession. And confession really is found in the first part of this verse. You see, it says, my soul clings to the dust. And I love that word clings. It's actually in the King James Version. It says cleaves. And there's something about, about that word, I think, that, that, that speaks to my heart. You see, cleave, that's the, that is the same word that we find in Genesis when it says uh, in Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and become one flesh. The word there, cleave, cling, actually literally means to adhere to, to stick to, to join with. A modern day, modern day illustration would be like having two metals that are brought together and welded together. They would become bonded together, inseparable and that's what they're saying. That's, that's a goal in marriage is for, for us to be inseparable in our bond in marriage. And that same word is being used here. The psalmist here is confessing that his soul is adhered to the things of this earth. That it's so fastened to, it's so glued to the dust of this world. It's so bonded to this world, this culture, that it cannot be detached from it. So what does that look like? Well... It means our old sinful nature is almost like a magnet that's drawing us back to that dust, like Paul speaks of in Romans 7.15, where he says in this translation, I don't understand my own actions, for I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I think the time is quickly approaching now, you know how things are they're spinning by so fast, uh, that we will be soon doing Thanksgiving, and then we'll... We'll be doing Christmas, and then it'll be time for New Year's resolutions, right? Another chance for us to uh, to turn over a new leaf. You know, I thought about that. And I thought, you know, I don't really know what that means. I guess I knew as a kid, I could always I always thought you took a leaf off a tree and you you turned it. I never knew what that had to do with anything. Maybe fall of the year, the leaves turn. I don't know. I couldn't get it. But um, but if you've ever wondered where that came from, it actually comes from the 1500s. Uh, when the, there were books, and in those books, they, they called the pages leaves. And so they were literally saying, you turn the page. You, you start over. We're, we're turning the page to a, a new beginning. And that's you know kind of how many of us treat our walk with Christ. We don't actually change. We just want to turn a page um, and, and maybe make a few changes, maybe uh, you know, make a few re- those resolutions. And sometimes that's the way it is with our walk with Christ. So we're like, well, okay, we'll just try a little harder. We'll just do a little better. And you know how that works out. About two weeks into the year with our resolutions, we've kind of forgotten them. We don't know. We struggle. We go off the diet. We, uh, we forget where the gym is all of a sudden for some reason. And, but it's difficult. So it's difficult really for us to change ourselves. And so really it's senseless to kind of try to turn over a new leaf when the problem is we need a new book. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a problem there that, that we're trying to keep doing this in our own strength. On our own, we are hopeless. The bond is too strong. We are too earthly-minded 
And without Christ, we are spiritually dead. And that's why we, just like the psalmist here, we really have to confess that this bond with the dust, it does exist, it is there, and that we're completely dependent upon God to change the desires of our heart. There's something about confessing uh, that actually just kind of brings things, puts it out on the table, you know, brings it out in the open. It sheds light on that. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. As you shared things, it actually makes you feel a little lighter because you've gotten that out there. There is a release that takes place as we confess. In Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Disciplines, he, uh, he describes a prayer practice among the Amish. Uh, they have what's called a, a silent prayer service. And I kind of liked that, and I took it, and I kind of adapted it. And uh, it's really kind of a, a neat thing, but it goes something like this. Uh, extend, extend your forearms. Matter of fact, I want you all to join me in this, okay? So everybody put your arms out, just like palms up, arms extended, all right? So uh, not too high. We're, we're not charismatic. Keep it down here. So, and so, but if you just do that, everybody doing that, we're not, we're not going to get crazy, but it's fine. But what I want you to do is to do that and then to close your eyes. And in your mind's eye, I want you to just place any sins, any struggles that you're experiencing right now in the palms of your hands. Just close your eyes and just mentally do that. Maybe you're placing anger in a relationship. Maybe it's fear and anxiety over a situation. Maybe it's some frustration in your life or a habit that you can't quite kick or an attitude that you have that interferes with relationships. Maybe it's a a preference that you have about how things ought to be done, but people just aren't getting it. They're just not doing it right. And there's a frustration there and and it weighs on you and you would just confess that it's interfering with your walk with Christ. So just keep your hands out there and just mentally place those things into your head, whatever it is, place it in your hands. I've done this with other folks, and, and what they say is you can almost feel the heaviness in your hands as you place them there. And I want you to feel that weight of all the concerns in your hands. Now, keeping your hands just like that, I want you to open your eyes and look at me. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn your palms upside down. And as you turn your palms upside down, you're releasing those things, that anger, that anxiety, those frustrations, those unmet expectations. And you're letting all of that, those concerns just fall away. Now stay with me. Keep your hands like that. Because that's what I want you to do. I want you to turn your palms back up. I want you to close your eyes again. This time I want you to realize that your hands are empty. I want you to focus on receiving from God. Pray silently for God to to place into your hands peace and patience, love and self-control and kind of replace all that stuff you just released with those things that the Bible, the scriptures say that you need in your life and replace those things you just surrendered. Okay, now you can... Open your eyes. You can put your hands down now. And so the truth is, if we're going to pray for change, it's important that we, we do just that. We, we release ourselves from the dust, just like the psalmist is praying here. That weight, that sin, that weight that you actually felt, it's talked about in Scripture. Hebrews 12 says that sin so easily ensnares us. It is so easy every day to to have this stuff just pile up on us. 
But it really doesn't stop there because as we confess those things, as we release them, then we have to be open to everything that God has for us. So confession and release are really foundational to the next stage and the next component I see here. And that component is one of supplication. It's found here in the next phrase that says, give me life. A simple request, simple prayer to God to give us life. Supplication here literally means uh, humbly begging for something. Humbly begging for something. And that's what the psalmist is doing here. He has grasped his hopeless situation, he, that, the fact that he is bonded with the dust, and he realizes that his only hope is for God to intervene. He is humbly begging for God to give him life. I don't know how you felt when you were releasing those things, but sometimes it is a painful thing. It's a painful thing to let go of those things that we're clinging to. When you have to face reality and say, okay, God, this, I've, I've got to give up those things that may be painful, but they're, they're also comfortable to us. That's what we're used to. But that's what happens when we accept Christ. We take an honest look at ourselves and we admit that our souls are bonded to this world and we are helpless to separate ourselves from it. And the only answer is for us to humbly beg for God to give us life. And he has provided a way for that to happen. I love the the J.B. Phillips translation of scriptures. And in Romans 8, 3 and 4, he says this, The law never succeeded in producing righteousness. The failure was always the weakness of human nature. But God has met this by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to live in that human nature, which causes the trouble. And while Christ was actually taking upon himself the sins of men, God condemned that sinful nature so that we are able to live now and meet the law's requirements. Not because of something we've done, but because of what Christ has done. You see, Jesus Christ came to this earth. He took on flesh. He purposefully joined himself with us in that same dust. But he didn't sin. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. He rose again to break that bond that we have with that dust. And the only hope we have is for for God to give us life. And can I share with you some of the things that, that I get to see? Because I'm going to so many different churches and working with pastors I get to see people become devoted disciples of Jesus. I was telling somebody earlier, I, I was uh, one of the pastors from our first cohort. I was able to talk uh, to, or preach in his church. And a young man came up to me after the service, all excited. And he said, I've been meeting with the pastor all year. And tonight, on that Sunday night, he was going to start his discipleship group that he was leading. Small group of guys that were going to gather at his house. And I see disciples like that with a heart to make other disciples who in turn make other disciples. One church that I've worked with, um, we've been seeing that. And it's kind of worked out that now we've seen four levels of disciple making happen just in the last year. It's the pastor's wife, really, who was doing it. And she was working in the life of, of another girl. And then that girl started discipling somebody else. And then that person started discipling somebody else. And And really the neat thing is that when that happens, this is what I see. I see... God breathing new life into dying uh, congregations. He 
imparts new vision into pastors. Pastors get excited. They get to see where God's moving. He starts to, to grow new courage in the hearts of church leaders so that they begin to do those hard but necessary things to change inside the church so that they can be healthy. And really it comes down to all, it all begins with healthy, growing individual church members, just like you. Going before God, humbly confessing and begging God to give you life. So when you pray for change in your life, there's this ripple effect. It doesn't just affect you. It affects the entire church. And that brings us to the third component, and that is qualification. Look at the last part of the verse there. It says, according to your word. Usually, I feel like it's not a good thing to put qualifications on our prayers. We may say, you know, God, I'll go wherever you send me, you know, if, you, you know, you make sure it's a, not too cold of a climate, you know, make sure, make sure it's not too dangerous, you know, but I'll go. I'll, I'll do whatever you want to do. You know, we, we take that whatever and we kind of qualify it. I've seen that in a church. There was a, I think I've preached here and shared with before that there was a church we were working with, only had three members and, um. They actually had uh, another guy that joined. He had been attending. He just wasn't a member. So they got to four. So they really had a great a revival. And, um, and then the pastor and his wife really made it six. So there were six people there. And we worked with them for several months. And, uh, and we presented some options to them, said, here's how we could help. Here's the churches we're standing by to help. And it came time for them to make a decision. And they said, no, we, we can handle this. We'll do it. And so... <laughs> It was, it was one of those where, you know, they had told me, I'd said, you've got to be able to do whatever it takes. And they're like, yes, we'll do that. Well, it meant they would do whatever it takes as long as they didn't have to give up control and do, you know, all these, <laughs> have to change anything. And the truth is, that's what it means is for us to incorporate this change into our life, even in the life of the church. And I, the, the psalmist here, when I think about according to your word, I think about what, what word is he talking about? Well, back in there, what was available to, to them at Psalms was the Pentateuch. And so they had some scriptures there that they would read and, and memorize. And I'm sure that he was thinking of Genesis 2-7. Genesis 2-7 says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. I think the psalmist here is acknowledging that he is still bonded to that dust, just as the first man was. And just as God breathed life into Adam, that he needs God to breathe life into him. So in essence, he is saying that he needs to be recreated. I think he, we understand that now as he needs to be born again. So you see that concept even here in Psalm. For us, there's other scriptures, and I want to just share some of those. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Psalms 51, 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught to put off your old self, which belongs to your former 
manner of life and is corrupt through deceit, deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Second Corinthians four sixteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Folks, the hope we need from God for life change is founded upon his word. It is in his word where we will all find exactly what we need to grow as disciples. As a matter of fact, it's, it's evident that this prayer for change was, was, was answered. It even shares it right here. If you look a few, few verses down in that same section of Psalm 119, look at verse 31. The psalmist there proclaims, I cling to your testimonies. He uses that same word again. But now instead of being cleaved to the dust, he is saying, I am cleaving, I am joining, I am inseparable from God, your, your testimonies, the, the word of God. The beautiful thing is that unlike the psalmist, we live on this side of the cross, right? We know that the the word here actually became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld him. And it's only by surrendering our sinful nature to that forgiveness, the forgiveness that was purchased for us by Jesus Christ, that we have any hope for change. I've found, especially in, during these COVID times as I'm working with churches, that it has kind of revealed some things in the life of churches. See, we were, we've been content for years to just have have people attend, right? If you show up. I go to a lot of pastor's conferences. You'll hear, how you doing? Well, you know, we had, some of these churches are really struggling. We had 34 people there Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. And we're measuring, we're measuring. I used to call, I call them the three Bs. The, uh, we're, we're the bodies, the budgets, and the buildings. You know, if we, we can look at all that, you'll hear any, any pastor bragging on those three things. They, this is what we have. And I think COVID has kind of pushed us into an area where you can't count on that number measuring the health of a church anymore. It comes down to what I call the three Ds. It's, it's about devotion, meaning the, the love of the congregation for God. And that has to grow. How do you measure that? Kind of t- difficult to find out, but you can feel it more than anything else. The other D is discipleship. And it's the kind that I talked about. Not just a class you attend, but pouring some, your life into somebody else who is pouring their life into somebody. Just what Second Timothy 2.2 2 is all about. And the last one is direction. That, that mission. That, that are, we, are, we, are we focused on what's really important or are we simply going through the motions? We think if we can, we can show up on time to church and we can do the things that are Sunday school class or we do the stuff inside the building, we're doing enough. I've told this story before. My, I had a, we had a pastor at my home church when I was young, a uh, teenager, and he... he uh, he was uh, retired when they brought him in. And very quickly, the deacons really tried hard to figure out how old he was. And nobody could. We, we still don't know how old he was. But, uh, but we did know that he'd been there a while. He was a pretty old guy. But he had been, at one point, up in the Northwest, he'd been a lumberjack. And he had the neatest stories about that. And I remember as a young kid listening to him, and, and he would tell about how important it is to be on mission. And this is what he would say. As a lumberjack... Um, 
you know, they had the whole thing, you know, the, the like a lumberjack. And so they'd have all the, the stuff. That, they didn't have any machines. They had the saws and, the, and all that and the hat and the flannel shirt and all that kind of stuff. And they had boots. And the, on the boots, they had spikes, good, big, long spikes because they had to be able to walk on that wood, especially when they would put it in the, uh, the, the flume and it would go down to, to the water and then it would float. And they have to be, sometimes they have to undo those log jams. They have to walk out there on those, those logs. And so they needed that kind of traction. But he would say, every once in a while, we'd have this huge, big tree and a big log that we had to put up on that flume. And it was, it was pretty difficult. And so he said, we get all these guys lined up, and we'd have levers. And he said, and we'd push, and we'd push, and we'd try to get it up there. And he said, it was, it was heavy. And you knew if any one guy let, you know, let off, it could roll back and kill us all. So he said, you had to stay, you had to stay focused. And so what would happen is sometimes one guy, to get better traction, would take his foot and put it down. Sometimes he'd put it right on the foot of another guy, and those spikes would go through, and they'd hit the, the top of that guy's foot. And you, he said, you know, I didn't have the luxury to punch the guy, to be mad at him, <laughs> to, hey, let's take a break here, guys, and let me beat this guy up. We, we couldn't have that kind of fighting because the mission was too great. Because if I let off at all, it would roll back and kill all of us. So we said we all had to stay at the task, and we, there was time for us to, to bandage wounds later. But, but, but we would push, and we would get all that done because we knew the guy didn't have any malicious intent. He, 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 was, he was just trying to do the same job I'm doing. And I talk to churches a lot about that because often what I see, and it has been exposed through all this COVID stuff, is you'll see churches that are inwardly focused, churches that are, have infighting, and they're, and they're just mad at each other. They're squabbling over the least little thing. And I think what that means is they've lost that last D, that direction. They think it's about them rather than the mission. And so what we try to do is help them to, yes, disciple and to, to pray for change in their own hearts because it's that internal maturity that's going to say, I, I don't need to step. Even if I step on somebody else's toe or they step on mine, you know, we can, you, have you ever done that stuff? Just say, I'm sorry, and then just keep going. Have you ever done that? You know, sometimes in marriage, you know. Donnie and I used to have a, a we, had, we, we, had, we had an issue, of course, all the adjustments happened to marriage, but we, our last, our lo- longest fight we ever had was three days. We didn't talk to each other for three days. And I, I, God kind of hit me in the head and said, you know, what are you proving here? You know, so, so be a man and go admit you're wrong. And of course, I said, okay, I, I was only 10% wrong, but I'll do it anyway. So I went... <laughs> And I didn't say that, trust me, but uh, I said, Donnie, I'm sorry. And of course she said, no, it's all my fault. She hugged me and everything was fine, which made me mad because I know it was all your fault. That's what I said at the beginning. But, <laughs> but, but sometimes we do, we do that. And so now after, you know, all these years of marriage, 30, I forget how many, 39, 36, I don't know. So a lot, a lot of years of marriage, we have, um, we've kind of gotten to the point where we can have an argument in like three minutes. <laughs> it's, you, you just kind of, we're working then, oh, we, we don't agree. And we just say, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, now I understand. And the other one say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Because the focus is not on who's right or who's wrong. The focus is on the mission. We're, we're building a marriage here. We're, we're building a ministry together. And we're focused outward. And we're not, we're not worried about those things. It's the same thing in the life of a church. You're in this family together. And the focus really needs to be out, outside the walls of this church. And how do you do that? Well, you do that by this prayer for change, this, this growth inside yourself, being the disciple you need to be. Because when you do that, there's a rippling effect that takes place throughout the church. So how are you doing today? 
Do you need to pray this prayer for change? Do you need to confess that, yes, my soul is clinging to the dust of this world? There's some things that, that I just won't let go of. And I need to, to pray this prayer of supplication. I need to say, God, I'm humbly begging for you to, to, to shed the light on that part of my life, to, to give me new life in that area. Maybe you have to admit that you're just tired. You're tired of turning over a new leaf every year and finding out it's just another page in the same book. And Maybe you need a real new start. And that can happen this morning. But that begins with surrender. Surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe for the very first time. Maybe you're a Christian this morning and you'd have to admit that you haven't been much of a disciple. Oh, you play the part. You've been one of those that, that show up and come to church and you check that off. We did good. We've made it to Sunday school. Hey, I didn't come on Wednesday nights. I mean, good. I must be doing really good if you do that. Um, and you, you, maybe you make yourself look good, but you have to confess that that's just a show. You appear to have life. You have the, the, the look of life, but it's not according to God's word. So however you need to respond this morning, this altar is open. You can come. You don't have to come speak to anybody here, but you can come do that. You can stay right where you are and do that. Brandon's going to come, and he's going to be here up front, and you can share with him as well if you need to. But it's important that as we understand and as we see how God is working in my life, that we need to keep that line of communication with him open. We need to use that, that channel of prayer that we have. And constantly be saying, God, change me, change me. Stand with me if you would, please.